All right, three, two, one. Hey everyone, my name is Justin, and today we're starting a new series with Brotherly Game called Podcast Extra, where either myself or Zach Richmond will talk a little Philadelphia Union and each week be joined by a fan of the next opponent to give us the lowdown on their favorite team. This Saturday, Charlotte FC are making their first trip to Subaru Park, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Brian Emery, who is well-versed in the North Carolina soccer scene and an inaugural Charlotte FC season ticket holder. Brian, my man, how are you doing? Dude, I'm doing good, man. I'm really excited to be here tonight to talk about definitely the biggest North Carolina-related sporting event happening Saturday night, Charlotte FC versus Philadelphia Union. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, as a uh, Villanova guy myself, I have to, you know, kind of agree with that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think we're going to kick things off with, you know, just a little overview. What has it been like the first month or so having, you know, an actual MLS team playing real soccer? And, you know, what does it feel like in the city? Is Are the vibes different there? Yeah, man. I mean, so I think everyone's been really pleased so far with the I guess the the levels of fan support. Uh, I mean, so in addition to going to Charlotte FC matches, you know, I go to Carolina Panthers games and stuff too, but it's, there's a different environment in Bank of America Stadium for a Charlotte FC match compared to Carolina Panthers. And uh, I've been to two of the first three matches so far. I do have season tickets. I was out of town for the second match, but first match, played the Galaxy. Obviously, like, you know, sold out, like MLS record and all that. But the team didn't score a single goal and really didn't even generate many chances. So, you know, we kind of left the stadium that night, you know, just still thrilled to have an MLS squad to support. But, you know, we didn't have that magical moment of seeing the team score a goal in front of all those fans. Uh, So then, of course, you know, the team a few weeks later played the Revolution at home, got their first win, three to one. They were home again last week against FC Cincinnati, which is obviously another good a good opportunity to get some more points. They got a nice 2-0 victory. So it was definitely cool, you know, experiencing a win. Um, you know, just like, it's like, I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's like experiencing a goal with that many people really is an awesome feeling. And I mean, you walk anywhere around Charlotte and people are wearing their jerseys. Uh, there's already players who have become fan favorites. So it's kind of cool, you know, just watching the club continue to build an identity like right in front of our eyes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what, who are some of those players you you know you just mentioned about kind of becoming club favorites and do you have you know already have a favorite player? Yeah, so I mean we'll kind of you know go through a few of these guys throughout throughout the night, but I mean their their first uh, DP signing, Carol Schwedersky, uh, early on looked like a really good investment. Uh, four four starts, four goals. He's had two goals in each of his last two games. Uh, and, you know, obviously he's a striker, so it's easy for the striker to get a lot of love. But, I mean, he does clearly like one of their best players so far. I mean, he can, you know, just fire the ball from outside the box, create chances out of nothing. Like the first goal against the Revolution, I was like, oh, this, you know, I, I didn't I did not see the goal come out of that. Then he quickly turned, fired a shot, went in the back of the net. So, you know, he can kind of create his own chances as well. Um, so he's been a really good fit for Miguel Angel Ramirez's system. So. And fans obviously love him. He's scoring goals, you know, so that, that helps them a little bit. But uh, also rookie Ben Bender, first overall draft pick from Maryland. This uh, He's like already a cult hero. I mean, he has an ideal soccer name. Uh, he's got like the long, flowy hair. Uh, 
Miguel, I mean, he's actually usually lines up as a winger in the formation, but I think Miguel Angel Ramirez has kind of given him just free will, just kind of roam wherever on the pitch he wants to. He drifts to the middle a lot. So he started th- three games now, I think, three or four. He's already got a goal and three assists, so he's making stuff happen out there. Uh, and then the keeper, Christian Kalina, he's been a really uh, pleasant surprise so far. Uh, he's I saw some ranking on Twitter this week, and you know, you take it with a grain of salt, but he was ranked just like the third best keeper in the MLS so far this year. And I mean, he's because we were all worried about that position, but he has really stepped up and been a huge player so far. So that's three names that immediately come to my mind um, as three dudes who like fans already kind of swooning over. Yeah, I know. Uh, Jim Curtin this week in his press conference was talking a lot about Swiderski, you know, talking about as soon as he gets 35 yards in close to the goal, got to keep an eye on him, got to look where he is. I know he has scored some incredible goals already. I hope that does not continue this weekend, but, you know, from a neutrals fan perspective and, you know, it's great to see, especially against the revs, a, a uh, I guess, recent union uh, nemesis uh, the last couple of years, uh, it's great to see, you know, Charlotte FC get their first win against them. And yeah, I think with Ben Bender, you know, as a rookie, you know, giving, putting him on the outside gives him the opportunity to, you know, play in more space, not, you know, have to play in midfield and, you know, kind of ease into life in MLS. And, you know, you talked about the keeper that it was a little bit of an iffy situation. I think keeper for expansion teams has been so under appreciated you saw with i don't know if you followed a lot of fc cincinnati the last couple years you know why would you really but they you know they had some of the worst keeper play not with the worst you know their keeper were arguably usl level and you know that's why they have won the wooden spoon last couple of years you know um so uh, last like big uh general question is there anything that the city of charlotte like done to like connect fans to the, to the team. Like I know obviously like trying to set in eventually setting the rep for the uh, attendance is massive and the big one up on Atlanta, which is great, you know, for the city, but how is, I guess the the city as a whole embraced it? Well, I mean, and I was going to kind of touch on this a little bit. Uh, I mean, cause let's be right. The club got off to a pretty rocky start. Uh, You know, David Tepper. Well, I mean, okay, let's start with this. The reason Charlotte has an MLS team is because David Tepper literally went to Don Garber and said, you name your price. I'll write you a check right now. I mean, there are probably other cities out there who are probably a little ticked off that they thought they had better bids with a more organic soccer culture in their city. And they just got outbidded by, I don't know if Tepper's the richest owner in the MLS. He's got to be top two or three. I mean, he's just filthy, filthy rich. And he said the day he bought the Panthers, he was a big soccer fan too. So that kind of had fans start chatting, but so, you know, it works. We're excited to have a team, but then he comes out and, you know, the club would like send surveys out, like how much are you willing to pay per season ticket? So, you know, we all fill this out and then we see the actual prices and it, they're charging more for season tickets than any other club in the MLS. And we're like, so, you know, you want us to pay all this money. We have no idea if the team's going to be good or not yet. Uh, so there were a lot of people that were a little pissed off early on, kind of felt ostracized from the club. They felt like they were already being priced out. And they're like, you know, we don't know if this team's going to be good or not yet. Uh, so, you know, there's kind of been a rocky start with things like that. Uh, you know, in terms of connecting the club to the city, uh, 
I guess when you look at the crest, it's got the crown. Some people say it was basic, but Charlotte's called the Queen City. And, you know, I'm someone like, honestly, they probably could have designed the worst crest you've ever seen. And I probably still would have been hyped because I've been so desperate for professional soccer in Charlotte for so long. But like, I thought the crest was fine. Um, so they're kind of, you know, drawing to to the city a little bit there. But <laughs> I don't want to roast my own city. But like, when you think about Charlotte, like, there's just not much just like that unique about it anyways. So trying to like, I don't know. Uh, I think the club's kind of still working on, on building an identity, uh, you know, organically, like there's numerous supporters groups already trying to kind of that are connected with the club, working with the club. But um, I don't know. I think they're kind of hoping a lot of like the team culture, the club culture, a lot of that's going to grow over time. Um so I don't know. Um, that's kind of just like a kind of how I would summarize kind of how they've gotten to where they are today. Yeah, it sounds like a question better answered at the end of the season one. You know what the, the club culture and the city culture is like. Yeah, um, yeah. It's going to be really interesting. Like if people keep showing up, if you know, we're bottom of the table in the dog days of August, you know, like right now it's the new flashy thing. Uh, and, you know, I think like with a lot of sports, there's definitely a social aspect to it. Like with like a lot of people, they just want to go and drink some beer and just like act like hooligans and kind of like, I guess the club kind of gives them like an avenue to do that. But there's obviously a lot of people, you know, they want to see wins too. I'm one of those people, you know, an expansion team, like, you know, I know Atlanta United, obviously they're the golden example. They won a championship their second year. Uh, but that's the exception, not the rule. Like, you know, it's understandable yet. Yeah, they got to have time to figure things out. If that happens sooner rather than later, again, that's great. But um, again, like I don't have too crazy high of expectations first year. Um, I think there's other stuff they need to figure out. Like I think price season tickets should be lower and stuff like that. I'd rather kind of work on that side of things first and kind of hopefully the results follow later. But yeah, I think the, you know, the good couple of things that I think are working in Charlotte's favor first is MLS, you know, it doesn't have as condensed of a schedule as it did last year. So there, you know, I think there's only like a handful of midweek matches. I know as a union fan, like after work on a Wednesday, getting down to Subaru park is pretty, pretty <laughs> difficult. And, you know, that obviously, you know, that is puts a damper on supporters and just the vibe, you know, when you're watching a half empty stadium, like it sucks. Mm-hmm. And also Charlotte, you know, doesn't have a professional baseball team. So there's nothing else competing with right. MLS all summer. And, you know, I, if I know, like you said, anything, I know anything about, you know, the most of MLS's demographics is that, you know, when the weather is nice, nothing better than sitting out tailgating for a couple of hours and then going to watch a soccer match. And I will say though, like you're about the whole, like, it feels a little awkward, like trying to go get hype in like a half empty stadium. Well, that's every game for Charlotte FC. Like they're not, I mean, they opened the upper bowl for the, for the, for the first game, but I mean, it's closed now. I'm like, I know so much goes into this that I don't understand, but I'm like, why are you not selling like $10 tickets up there? Like you would think that's a win-win for, you know, like for the dudes trying to make money off this club, it gives you more support. Um, but again, cause like the upper bowl is just, it's just empty. So like the lower bowl is like been filled up. But the other, I mean, it's, it's, it's still, it's a weird, it's still a weird feeling. Like people are just going nuts in the lower bowl, like, you know, standing the entire game, like, you know, singing, doing all that fun stuff. And you look up and you're like, oh yeah, like the stadium's still half empty. So like, it's kind of a weird dynamic for sure. Yeah. So I think it, 
let's we'll make a transition back onto the field. So what have you been encouraged about so far, you know, about the way that Charlotte FC plays? And I guess you can kind of give a little bit of a overview of Charlotte sure. FC style of play first, really. Yeah. So, you know, I've kind of, hopefully I haven't seen too negative so far because the club's done some things right so far. And look, I know the sample size is early. I think they nailed their first coaching hire. Uh, I think Miguel and Hill Ramirez, I, I, I think he's already shown he's a brilliant manager. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this or not, but like it was a few weeks before the season. He made that comment, like, you know, we are screwed or whatever. Cause like the personnel yeah, just, everybody saw that. Yeah. It just, just wasn't what he was hoping it would be. So the fact that he's still scraping together results and the team looks competitive. Uh, I'm excited about that. Um, I was, I was actually doing some digging and like, he does not have like one set formation, you know, like I, Justin can confirm. I've been a Liverpool fan for a long time. You know, Jurgen Klopp, he does the high pressing, the 4-3-3. Miguel Angel Ramirez, through his first five games in the MLS, he's tried five different formations. Um, now, again, there are some similarities, uh, you know, to these to these lineups, um, but that just kind of shows, like, he's going to, you know, consider, you know, what he's playing against, and he's going to adjust the lineup to that. So, uh <sighs> Charlotte has kind of, they've been more dangerous on the counterattack. Um, like even, so the game against Cincy on Saturday, I don't know if you watched it or not, but the first five or six minutes, we were just there like, yeah, this is, this is awful. Like we were, like we were just living in our, in our like really our final third. Like we were just like, we were totally pushed back. And then the team strings together, like one of those beautiful builds you'll see at any level of soccer. I, I'm sure you saw it. Like, it was probably 11, 12 passes um, working the ball up the pitch and then just, you know, Swiderski just taps one in. Like, I mean, it was just an incredible goal. And after that, the team kind of came into the game a little bit. I would definitely expect Saturday, Charlotte, they'll hopefully try to grab one on the counterattack. I, I do not see them going to Philly and trying to come out and get on the upper foot. Um, I think they'll try to play composed early on. Uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, Miguel Angel Ramirez, he played five at the back against DC. In the second game against LA, it was technically three at the back, but he had two wing backs. So it was basically five at the back. Those were two really defensive formations. Now, the last three weeks, when the team's been playing better, he's gone to four at the back. So I think it's going to be interesting. Like, because again, if you're Charlotte, you, if you get offered a point right now, Saturday night, you probably take that and you run with it. So I'm not sure if they're going to come out really conservative and maybe play five at the back again, or just keep it at four, which you've been playing a lot better with anyways. I think he'll play four at the back, but again, like he's shown, like he will change things in a second if that's what he wants to do. So um, that'll for sure be interesting seeing how the team lines up to start the game. That sounds like a, you know, kind of an interesting tactical battle between Jim Curtin and uh, Miguel Anel Ramirez there because the union have shown, you know, throughout the last couple of games and really all of Jim Curtin's tenure that, you know, they don't really care about having the ball against uh, NYCFC. I think we had like 30% possession, 35% possession. And, you know, anytime anybody asks Jim Curtin about it, he's just like, you know, we don't really care about possession stats and so if it'll be interesting you know if the union at home try and you know be on the front foot a little bit more or if they're 
going to, you know, look at Charlotte FC and say, you know, it's fine. You can, you can try and hold on to the ball a little more. We know that you guys may want to counter, but you know, you got it. And if one, you know, the union have shown that they you know can be devastating on the counter attack. So yeah, it, you know, that, yeah. that sounds interesting. Yeah. That will be interesting. Cause like even Saturday, you know, we, we won the game two nil, but I'm pretty sure since still had more possession than we did. So um, that will kind of be uh, interesting to see how that unfolds. And I think especially like, I can't speak for the union as much, but Charlotte has had a few dudes on international break. And I think determining their fitness could certainly play an impact in terms of, of how the team lines up Saturday. Uh, so, so, I mean, I'm trying to like defensively, there's a few dudes who are locks to start. Obviously Colleen is going to be in goal. Um, one of their best players so far, Charlotte's has been Jalen Lindsay. Uh, the right back played for Sporting KC. He's from North Carolina, though. He's he's probably someone I also should have mentioned when we brought up the like the whole fan favorite thing. Um, you know, he's he's already kind of like shown that he's just going to give it his all every single game. He's been one of their best players so far. He's a lock to play to play the right back spot, or I guess if uh, Ramirez wants to play wing backs, he'll be the right wing back. He's a lock to start. Uh, the center backs, um, those are also pretty much set in stone. Um, so one of them is going to be uh, Guzman Carujo. He started all five matches so far. Um, he'll kind of be like that right center back. Uh, and then what gets interesting will be where Christian Fuchs plays. Uh, I probably should have mentioned him too if there's a fan favorite. He was like their, like, I guess, big signing. You know, he was, of course – uh, a mainstay on Leicester city when they, you know, won the premier league, of course. Uh, so, um, Fuchs, uh, Ramirez was actually playing Fuchs as a center back the first two games. Then he moved back to left back against Atlanta and new England and back as a center back against Cincinnati. So I, I it'll be interesting to see where Ramirez lines Fuchs up at uh, on Saturday as well. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be some combination of those dudes, but uh, yeah, so uh, oh, um, the other dude, Kristen Kuhn, he was caught up to his national team. So if he's back, he'll be the other center back, and I think Fuchs will play left back. Uh, but we'll have to see if he's fit. To, I mean, I assume he'll be fit to play. Um, but so if he is, he'll be the other center back, and Fuchs will probably play left back. So that should be their back line, I would imagine. One thing that the union have going for us is that finally we have all four of our starting potentially starting strikers available. I don't know if you're aware that union play a four diamond two. Mm -hmm. So we always play with two strikers and we signed Mikael Ura this off season from Denmark. And he has yet to make an appearance, you know, for various reasons he's, you know, got hurt and is looking like a lock that he's going to start this weekend, which, you know, is going to be incredibly exciting. Finally get a start. And he has shown, you know, throughout his career, he is very pacey and very clinical. So the idea of having Christian Fuchs as a center back just (laughs) sounds like a recipe for disaster from a Charlotte FC perspective, given, you know, he's great defender in his time, but you know, he is, has not shown the ability, I guess, to go a full 90 from a peak athletic perspective. I'll say that (laughs) from, yeah. He's still so smart in his positioning and stuff. Um, he's he's the captain of the team. He's going to start. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, actually the game against Atlanta. So, like, Charlotte's actually had some pretty tough luck so far. 
Um, you know, Galaxy BS was just a world-class goal. And then Atlanta, it was literally one-to-one in the 95th minute, a deflected goal. But again, like, uh, Fuchs, was, Fuchs was like, um, he like, it got deflected off him and it went into the back of the net. So, um, so he's had some bad moments so far, but uh, Ramirez still clearly trusts him to start. So he's going to be out there somewhere. Just tough to say. It'll, I think Ramirez will go four at the back. He'll play Fuchs at left back. McCoon and Carujo at center backs and Lindsay at right back. But again, what do I know? Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is actually uh, Saturday, uh, Charlotte started um, in the midfield. They started Derek Jones, who actually played for Philly, if I'm not mistaken. He was kind of like that holding like defensive mid type role. I thought he had a solid game. I'm not sure if Ramirez just kind of wanted to put him out there to, to rest Brant Bronico who had started the midfield the first four games. Um, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if you see Ramirez keep four at the back and kind of have Jones as like that, you know, deep lying mid, mid, uh, midfielder as well, kind of in front of the back line. So that would be interesting to see as well. But I, I think he played for Philly though, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I can't, I don't remember what year off the top of my head. I'm not a uh, union historian like other guys. <laughs> so uh I think it'll be interesting to see if he starts or not too. And uh, I guess getting to the, I mean, getting to the midfield, Ben Bender's going to start, as I already mentioned, you might see him in the formation, like at like right wing or, or maybe even like left wing. But again, Ramirez gives him like the four, I mean, he can just kind of roam wherever he wants to. He'll drift centrally again. Like he started really Charlotte season turned around when Ben Bender started like because he was on the bench the first two games the team scored zero goals he starts against Atlanta he has an assist on their first goal and then he scores a goal has an assist against New England has another assist um last Saturday against Cincinnati so uh, he's definitely one of the team's more creative players uh, in the midfield no doubt yeah so thank you so much Brian for that you know that was pretty very in-depth uh position by position pretty much of Charlotte FC. So I guess last thing before we wrap up, you kind of hinted on this, that you, you would take a draw and run with it. If you could, is that your prediction? Are you going to go you know bold as a, as a fan? Or are you going to be man, a realist? Uh, dude, I, soccer predictions are so hard, man. Cause it, it's such a weird sport. Uh, well, I mean, obviously like my heart says that he can get a one-to-one draw on, um, my head says I could easily see Philly winning this game too, even three nil. Um, you know, I would love to be wrong. I did see like on like the Vegas lines, like the under two and a half goals you can get plus money on. Like, I think it's going to be, I mean, I could see it being like a one to one or two zero game. So that looked pretty interesting to me. You know, since I'm a Charlotte guy, I'll say Charlotte keeps it one to one. I don't love that prediction, but sure, why not? It's part of being a fan, right? Exactly, exactly. There's nothing like fan. The nothing, you know, <laughs> says a fan like a bold prediction. You didn't, even, <laughs> you didn't even predict them to win, so I don't even know if I consider that bold. But I'll respect. Dude, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take. Though. I'll take a draw in a second, man. That'd be a huge <laughs> point. Well, thank you so much, Brian. Uh, yeah, you know, it was really nice to you know kind of get an overview of charlotte you know what soccer means to the city of charlotte and you know i think from a neutrals perspective there's a a lot of intrigue in charlotte i think off so far off to a better start than other expansions i think they'll probably end the season more like an often austin fc expansion than and instead of like in atlanta or uh, fc cincinnati i don't think they're in the race for wooden spoon 
I hope not, you know, for your sake and all my other friends down in North Carolina. Um, but as we wrap up, Brian, I know that you do, you know, a lot of like sports writing, not necessarily against so- for soccer and things like that. So I wanted to give you a chance to shout out, you know, other avenues. If you, if you like Brian, you want to follow him on Twitter, you know, read any other sports writing that you do, Brian, shout yourself out. Sure, man. Thank, thanks for that. Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at uh, B Emory, E-M-O-R-Y. ASU 18. Um, as Justin kind of alluded to, I'm a sports nut in general. Um, I write about the NFL some. I'm a huge college basketball fan as well. Uh, I, I, of course, love soccer as well. Like, um, so a lot of my time is consumed by sports. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'd appreciate a follow if you're interested in what I do. Um, but yeah, dude, Justin, thanks for letting me come on, man. I had a great time talking about it. Yep. Thanks so much. And I hope that everybody enjoyed this, you know, first podcast extra and you stick around for more starting next week again. Thank you. Three, two, one. Cool.